want to welcome you this morning. Uh, my name is Brian White, and I'm so glad you're here. Uh, we're in the midst of a sermon series on Galatians. We're going to look at chapter 4 today. And I hope that you've been taking advantage. Uh, we provide a study guide uh, that coincides with the message. Uh, Pastor Justin back there uh, puts that together. And it's an opportunity for you to walk through um, the, the chapters in the next week. Uh, and, and he guides you, but also, uh, and so that's on the website, but also on Facebook, uh, we have a discussion group and um, you, can, you can join in conversation with other people in the church as we go through Galatians together. Um, you know, if you spent any time in the wilderness, you know there are a couple things that you, you just have to keep track of, you know, or where you started and where you're going. If you keep a track of those two things, it's going to at least help you from getting lost, right? And so it's kind of the same thing with Paul's letters. Paul is so smart, and he can get in these, these sections that are so dense that, you know, frankly, you, you can get lost, and you can completely miss what he's trying to say. And so for chapter 4, and actually this started back in chapter 3, but especially with this, I, I want us to know where we're headed, and that's Galatians 5.1. Paul writes, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Now, we need to remember, Paul was a rabbi, right? So he was just steeped in the, in the Jewish-Israelite tradition. And if you hear something like, for freedom, set free, don't submit again to the yoke of slavery... If that comes from anybody from the Israelite tradition, you, you have to. You, know, you, just, you just automatically have to think, you got to read this through the lens of Exodus. And I would say, if you do not read Galatians 4 through the lens of Exodus, uh, you're, you're, gonna, you're already lost, frankly. Um, Galatians 4 is about one and only one thing, and that is the new Exodus. Chapter 4, uh, frankly, it's not an easy chapter. And, and if you keep sight of where we're going, though, chapter 5-1, we're headed toward freedom. If you realize, remember that, as you read these words, you're not going to get lost at all. So a quick review on Exodus. I think it's really important. So the people, remember, back in Exodus, they are enslaved in a pagan land that worships idols. This is the same group that, you know, God called back in chapter 12, chapter 15 of Genesis uh, under Abraham. This is his descendants. And so they're enslaved in Egypt, right? And, and they come to this time when God is going to redeem them. And then they're declared the children of God, the sons of God, right? And, and, but even then, God's children are tempted to go back to slavery, and then they get to this one crucial point where, where then they even want to go back to worshiping idols. But the true God dwells in their midst and acts to set them free, free from the false gods, but also to lead them to their inheritance. So with that, let's listen to Galatians 4, 1 through 7. Paul writes, my point is this. Heirs, as long as they're minors, are no better than slaves. Though they are the owners of all the property, but they remain under guardians and trustees until the date set by the Father. So with us. While we were minors, we were enslaved to the elemental spirits of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption 
as children. And because you are children, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. So Paul starts with the same analogy we saw back in chapter 3. That's an heir, an heir. So last week we saw the child, the heir, needed a pedagogue. Uh, it was in the Greek, a pedagogue. But, but a lot of translations, they'll say, needs a guardian, needs a disciplinarian. We, we saw that that word means babysitter in Greek. So the child needs a babysitter. And that's what Paul says the law is. The law was, in, in chapter 3, he's saying the law was a babysitter for a time. It was necessary for a time, but only for a time. And so here he's saying an heir may be set up to own property, but doesn't actually inherit the property until the age the father has set ahead of time. And, and, and he put it in as well. This is the appropriate age this child will receive this, this um, uh, property. Until then, Paul says, the, the, the estate, the property, it is under the guardianship of a trustee. A guardian. So Paul here is describing what God did through Christ in the, exodus, in the new exodus. This is really critical. Jesus' death and resurrection was the great final act of redemption. Because of Christ's actions, we are now his children, and he continues to dwell in us through the Spirit. So, so far we've seen how Paul is just, everything in Galatians has been about the story of Genesis, right? Call of Abraham, I mean, that's like half of Galatians. Paul talks about Abraham more than anybody except for Jesus in his letters, but especially here in Galatians. The background of Galatians is how God promised to have this special relationship with Abraham and, and that we are now his descendants, that special people who were bestowed upon had this call and this blessing, right? God had this special call, special blessing for Abraham and his, his children, his descendants. They would be blessed to be a blessing to the nations, other ethnos, the nations. And God would work through his people to heal the separations, to heal the divisions that go back all the way to the first couple chapters of Genesis. And we've seen that in the last couple weeks. Now, Paul has been alluding to Exodus up until now. But at this point, Exodus moves from behind Genesis to be the front and center of Galatians. The story of Exodus, story of how God calls Moses to lead that special children, Israel out of slavery in Egypt, to freedom so they could inherit the promised land. God made this covenant with them. They would be his children. And you'll remember their freedom was secured through the Passover. What was that? That was the sacrifice of the lambs and the slaying of Egypt's firstborn on that night. So when the people left Egypt, they were given the law on Mount Sinai 40 days after the Passover. And the law would be their guide as they traveled through the wilderness and it would lead them what, to, to their inheritance, right? So, so God dwelled among them in, in Exodus in a very, very unique way. Do you remember how he, through the tabernacle, 
this tent. And eventually the tent would be replaced by a temple. And we know that a temple was the permanent home for God in Jerusalem. But the tabernacle was God's home as the people traveled through the wilderness. The tabernacle was a physical reminder, tangible reminder that God was with them. Traveling as they journeyed toward the promised land. So with that, think about what Paul is saying. These people are enslaved. Not to the Egyptians at this point, but to the elemental spirits of the world. The elemental spirits of the world. In Greek, it's stoichia to cosmu. And to cosmu is really easy. That's just of the world. Of the world. But, but stoichia is a really complicated thing. In their world, stoichia were the four elements. The earth, the wind, the, or the air, the fire, and the water. And back then they believed everything was made up of those four elements. Everything. And to the point that when someone was sick, it was believed the four elements were out of balance in the body. It was kind of like the, the humors back in the medieval times. And so a doctor would diagnose which element was out of balance. And then he'd prescribe how to get them back into balance, just like these humors, right? If you remember that. So the, the word they use, this is, this is fascinating and critical to understand. The word they use, how they prescribe to get back on balance, in Greek it was nomos, which is the Greek word for law. So think about that. If they follow the law the doctor has prescribed, their body's going to get back in balance. And they'll be healed of their illness. And I know this is coming out of left field, but this would not have been left field for Paul's Gentile audience at all back in that day. They would have totally got this. Think about this from the New Exodus view. We are enslaved. Our heart is sick. That's the human condition. And we know something's just not right in there. Paul says in Romans 7, 14 through 20, For we know the law is spiritual, but I am of the flesh, sold into slavery under sin. There's that slavery thing again. I do not understand my own actions. For what I do, I do not want. But the very thing I do, I hate. Now, if I do what I don't want, I agree that the law is good. But in fact, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells within me. That is, in my flesh, I can will what is right, but I can't do it. For I do not know the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I do. Now, if I do what I don't want, that is longer that I do it, but sin that dwells within me. It's a Gordian knot, but it's true, right? It's just, it's not right in there. Because I'm a slave to sin. I know it. Even when I want to do better, I, just, I mess up, right? I'm broken. And I can't fix it. But God wants to heal my heart. So I can be God's child. We can be God's children. And, and God can bring healing into the world through us as we live into Abraham's blessing. God works through our lives, right? But God is going to set us free from bondage of all of that. God wants to release us from our captivity. So listen to the next uh, four through seven. Paul writes, But when the fullness of time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, 
in order to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, also an heir through God. So in the new Passover, God sent his son. And once again, through the death of the lamb, the death of the firstborn, we are free to be his children. The new exodus happened on the new Passover night. The lamb was slain. His blood was spilled to set us free from our captivity. But Paul is so clear here that the exodus created a worldwide family this time. That's behind everything in Galatians. This was not just for the Jews. Gentiles can also call God the very same thing that Jesus called God in the Garden of Gethsemane, in that prayer, Abba, Father. Abba is like the, the familial, in, in, it's for Father, but it's, 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 a, it's a much more um, intimate familial relationship. It's Aramaic. Abba. Closest thing we have is in English is daddy, but that's not quite the same. But, but still, I mean, we're his children is the point. But that's not all. Because the son was the sacrificial lamb. And the spirit is now his continued presence. As we journey toward our inheritance. Through the spirit, God, God lives in our hearts journeys along with us, just like God tabernacled with his children in the wilderness. I mean, the Hebrews were given the law 40 days after they were set free from the night of Passover. The early church received the Spirit 40 days after Jesus' ascension into heaven. Did you know, in the prologue of John, when it says the word became flesh and dwelled among us, it actually says the word pitched its tent among us. The word tabernacled among us. In Jesus, God was still tabernacling. And in the new Exodus, Paul is saying here, through God, God set us free and offers us a covenant to be his children, to inherit God, Abraham's blessing, Abraham's call. But here's the offer. You are now the new temple. Jesus can live in you through the Holy Spirit, through the Spirit. God's going to bless you by blessing others through your life because he resides within you. So, so, so much of Galatians is, is about explaining how we are inheritors of Abraham's covenant. We've seen that the last several weeks because of Jesus. But it's not just something in a will that we're going to inherit someday. The time is now. God still tabernacles with his children and he wants to lead us through the wilderness, to the promised land. But Gentiles need to leave the pagan life behind, is, is what he's saying here. The, the elements of the world, it says. You know, Paul is saying for Jesus' followers, and he's writing Gentile Jesus' followers here. Going back to the pagan beliefs is just like Israel wanting to return back to slavery in Egypt as they're wandering in the wilderness. 
I don't even remember that or not, but you know, God set them free from slavery in Egypt, and then pretty quick, they told Moses, they want to go back to Egypt. Let's go back to slavery, because living out here, you know, man, slavery was a lot easier than freedom. But that's not God's desire. You can't be a child of God and be enslaved to anything else. Calling God Abba Father, it means we are set free of enslavement to any and all other gods. You know, idols were a huge thing back in Exodus. I mean, the main issue with pagan religions for the Jewish tradition, for the Israelites, was, was to worship idols. Because worshiping idols meant, you know, you, it was an affront to the one true God. And they're still huge today, idols. We're just so much more sophisticated with our idolatry. But our world is all about idolatry. We're so much more subtle, but we center our lives around everything but God. I mean, we focus our lives around all kinds of idols today. What, what do you worship? Cars, houses, sports teams, sex. I mean, the latest gadgets. I mean, look at your bank account, where you're spending your money. That's the thing that we're worshiping. Greed, lust, desire. It's all about centering our lives around things that aren't God. That's what idolatry is. Because it's taken the place of God in our lives. Sin and idolatry are so intertwined. You know, really, the more you think about it, they're, they're the, they are the same thing. They were for the Israelites. I mean, the very first commandment, you shall have no other gods before you. Then the second commandment, you shall worship no graven images, no idols. That's way more than just a little tiki doll. They certainly don't, ex those two commandments do not deny the existence of gods at all. Just the opposite. The point is, if you want to be a part of God's family, and you want to be a part of his covenant, he demands total allegiance from other gods. And we miserably fail. So our culture is all about centering our lives around anything and everything but God. Idolatry is alive and well in our world. And we're going to do a hardcore Bible study on Galatians. Well, first of all, it would be like six months. But we'd spend a lot of time in this chapter talking about something. I'm not sure we need to spend a lot of time. And that's, Paul balances in this chapter the Jews and, and the, the, the Gentiles. And, and, and they, they kind of have parallel paths. And they eventually merge in Jesus, Paul says, is the point. And it's huge. Paul, there, there's analogy after analogy in here. That, you know, Paul wants the Galatians who are Gentile, to really understand that they were always intended, they were always intended to, to inherit Abraham's blessing. 
they were heirs just as much as the Jews were, but they were minors, I mean, you know, and not like, you know, minor with the lamp, but, you know, they weren't there. And, and, and the point was, there was a date that was set by the Father, and that was the death and resurrection of Jesus. And it hadn't occurred, but there were always, always, always heirs of the promise. Jewish and Gentile paths, they were, they were parallel. They were separate, but they were parallel. But Paul says the destination was always going to be the same. And, and, and through Jesus, that happened. In Exodus, the God of Abraham revealed himself in a new way, just as God revealed himself in a new way through his son, Jesus. And continues to reveal himself through the Spirit. And that's, that's as Trinitarian as you get. You know, I, I love the, the, the creeds, Nicaea, Constantinople. You know, they're, they're, they're beautiful. Chalcedon, you know, we, we adopted here at Hillspring the Apostles' Creed as our faith statement because, frankly, because it's the oldest one. It was the first one that we have. But, but don't miss how beautiful and articulate Paul is. And, and these, these words precede all of those creeds. Uh, and they're per it's perfect. Four through seven, in the fullness of time had come. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that they might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And then he writes, so you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then an heir through God. It's beautiful. Now, there's a shift in the last sentence here, and it moves uh, to a second person singular in Greek. It says, you are no longer a slave. You are a child. That's not the person sitting next to you, right? Paul's not speaking to the person in front of you. Paul says, you. You are no longer a slave. You are a child. You are God's child. You are an heir. You have inherited a promise that is given to our ancestor Abraham centuries and centuries ago. But just like the Hebrews in Exodus, Paul says the Galatians are thinking about going back to slavery at this point. Paul writes, formerly when you did not know God, you were enslaved to being that by nature are not gods. Now, however, that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God. I love that. It's not what you know. It's what God knows about you. How can you turn back to the weak and beggarly elemental spirits. How would you want to be enslaved by them again? You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid that my work for you may have been wasted. That's the reason for the letter. Paul told them, they, or someone told them, and Paul heard, that they basically have to convert to Judaism. We saw that the last couple of weeks. They have to follow the law. The males need to get circumcised if they want to follow Jesus. Paul says, no. That's going back to the law. But we do the same thing. 
I mean, we all, we, we, we struggle, we, we, we go back to our false gods. Even while we're trying to follow the one and true God. I love the story of Exodus so much because it's us, right? I mean, Israel was set free, but they didn't like the unknown. And they had this long journey ahead of them, and they didn't know what to expect. And no one likes that. They can't. They didn't know where their next meal was coming from. Sure, God kept providing, but man, they wondered how long is that going to hold out. That's only human. Why did we leave Egypt? We were better off as slaves. They took care of us at least. Any leader understands Moses perfectly in Exodus. You know, I love, the people, he, he, he just screams to God finally. He's like, man, these people that you called me to lead, they're just driving me crazy. I want you to just take me out now. <laughs> Same thing in Galatians here. That's what Paul's doing. Jesus' followers have been set free from idolatry. But we just keep going back, wanting to go back to slavery. They aren't going to, you know, worship idols as much as, you know, converting to Judaism. Taking on circumcision, the law. And so Paul says, the Messiah has already set you free. You are living in a new world. You want to go back to the old ways. The law was good. The law was necessary. It had a purpose. It had a plan. But the plan to bring about salvation for the world has been fulfilled. And Paul says to them and us, if you go back now, after the Messiah has fulfilled the law, you're treating it like a path to salvation, not a plan to bring, that has brought about salvation. And you're treating the path as God. And you're returning your back on freedom and offering yourself as a slave to a whole new God. You can continue in the freedom offered to you through the God who revealed himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or you can go back and be an idolater once more. You can sell your slave sell yourself to the enslavement of idols and just like you were, and that is our issue today. This is so relevant. We are surrounded by false gods. They aren't called Zeus or Apollo or Zoroaster. They're called things like dollar and power and prestige and and things and stuff. What is trying to enslave you? The thing about idolatry is worshiping a God is, is, it comes out in our behavior. Our lives conform to it. Worshiping the God of Jesus Christ is going to lead you to a very, very different behavior than the false gods of our day. And we can continue in the freedom God has offered, or we can choose enslavement. But Paul says there is no alternative. God has acted. The Galatians have tasted the effect If they go back now, they're not only denying the Christian life, but they are denying God himself. And the same for us. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm. Do not submit to the yoke of slavery. 
So I want to ask you today, we're going to make a massive turn next week in Galatians. Because Galatians isn't about theology, it's about living the Christian life. And this is where it starts. In the trenches. You shall have no other gods before me. Don't worship graven idols. Freedom or slavery. You are a child of God. We pray with me. Lord, I thank you on this day for freedom. I thank you for releasing us from bondage. I thank you for the night of the new Passover. I thank you for the continued tabernacle. We offer our lives as your tent. Amen.